Hi, and welcome to episode 318 of No Crying in Baseball, the If We Couldn't Laugh, We Would All Go Insane episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend uh, Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Oh, man. That quote just, or quotation rather, um, fits fits very well this week in so many ways. So many ways. Yeah, it sure does. Um, for those of you who may not know, I'm sure you all know, it's from a Jimmy Buffett song. Um, it, Jimmy Buffett died on Friday at the age of 76. And we're talking about that on a baseball podcast because he was the first musician to ever perform a concert at Wrigley Field. That I had no clue. 2005. Wow. And I watched a little video clip about him looking back on that performance like years later. And he said that was the weekend that Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. And he's got family oh, in New yeah. Orleans and all along the, the Gulf mm-hmm. Coast, right? So um, by he did a Saturday night show and a Sunday afternoon oh. show at Wrigley. And by Sunday, they understood just how serious and how damaging Katrina was and so as part of his show he went up into the stands sat down and played City of New Orleans that's amazing which is just like it just it just gets me all the feels all the feels and he also promised at that time in 2005 if the Cubs ever won the World Series um, he'd come back again and again he did he played there in 2017 and he played in 2018 so the Cubs of course posted public condolences to his family including the sentence thank you for introducing Wrigley Field to the world as a concert venue so um, R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett I've saw him in concert so many times. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, always. Now, I saw him once in college, which was indoors, but every other time was an outdoor venue because you just go and you play. And, you know, I never yeah. owned any Jimmy Buffett music, had no need to. But, boy, I still know all the words to all the songs. <laughs> and, you know, you, you sing them with your friends with a drink in your hand wearing a Hawaiian shirt and all's right with the world when you do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I only saw him once, but definitely memorable. And uh, I have relatives who are parrot heads and, like, have a thin attachment for the top of their SUV and all that stuff. So, yeah, so much. So so Ray is a margarita. And actually, I I, uh, last night we went out to uh, see a friend's husband's band play that we had plans to do anyway. And the bar was doing a good sort of, like, toast to Jimmy Buffett. And margaritas were five bucks. Yep. Yeah. So I think that should be like a national day of, of remembrance for Jimmy Buffett. Everybody yeah. should have five dollar margaritas. Yep. I think that I think that's right. Yeah. So the, the way that the quotation applies to me is because I survived my first week of teaching this school year. Hallelujah. So that is also I, I just, you know, kind of put it in there as a little bit of a dis- disclaimer if I, if I do anything too fucked up, I'm just going to say, you know, it's because I just didn't have time this week because I was Can, teaching. Did, yeah. Didn't you have that disclaimer last week yeah. that it was about to be? <laughs> right. So are you going to like next week say, well, I got through two weeks of school. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. I, I'm milking this till June. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much milking it till June. Well, as a math teacher, I feel confident you'll be able to get the numbers right. Yeah. Oh, man. We, as long as I can keep counting week by week. Oh, you know, I put my math um, knowledge and in percentages to use when I got the email from MLB this week with the big flash saying lowest price of the season. And it's sort of like, no shit, this is for MLB TV. Of course, it's the fucking lowest price of the season. You've got you've got a month and a half left. Like, yes, it should be the lowest price of the season. And if so, it's not, something's wrong with the world here. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. On today's show, our boyfriend segment features... A really crazy week, milestones, the police blotter in Boyfriends, and the sounds of silence. We've got new guys bringing hope. We've got waiver madness. We have Que Pasa DC. And remember COVID? Cheers. 
Oh, yikes. Oh, yikes, indeed. Hey, can I just say that um, I, I'm wearing my Respect Cleveland shirt. I like to be thematic in my clothes when we record, and this is because the guards have taken two straight games from the Rays, which um, helps me and mine Yay. in the standings. I don't know what's happening now on today's game, but that's okay because the first two make me happy. And I want to remind everyone that you too can see what Patty's wearing by checking our Instagram page. You can also, you know, I moved the scary lion from right behind you to the shelf oh. below because I felt like every time I posted on Instagram, he was just sort of like staring at you. But I didn't realize, one, that he still is. Like, he's still in the picture. I think I have to move him down to the lower shelf. He just looks a little intimidating. I think if he's intimidating from a corner, it's much better than if he's, like, going to pounce or Right. He was kind of right on your shoulder. But in the process of moving, I knocked over three bobbleheads. Oh. So we now need um, Gorilla Glue to get uh, Max Scherzer's second Cy Young trophy stuck back on him. And I don't know where the fuck Brock Colt's bat went. It's somewhere. If you oh, can, no. if you see it on the floor somewhere, please let me know. But so he's I'm going to step holding. on and I'm going to have a Brock Colt splinter yes. is what's going to happen. <laughs> that could. That totally Awesome. Could. I'm looking forward to this. Yay. All right. We're going to get into the show. We're going to talk about our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we pick in the offseason. That's coming up. And if we talk about anybody that we identify as a baseball boyfriend, you're curious about them, go back to past episodes because we said lots of things. And we each get one guy per team each year except one holdover. And sometimes we get a little experimental because we've been doing this for, what, six, seven years? Um, and so because we can't repeat guys except for that one, Sometimes we go for youngins, and I did that with a couple youngins. of youngins. My rookies. God, because you're you're 110, right? I, I'm pretty pretty fucking close. Which is bad because I'm older than you are. <laughs> so yikes! But we look great for our 110. Absolutely, it's gonna be the beer. Um, so so sometimes we you know we try to be lucky and pick guys who are prospects who haven't come up yet and hope that they do. And for the White Sox, I picked Lenin Sosa. And he had a cup of coffee last year. So he was up for 11 games in 22. And what didn't do great, but, you know, it was just a spattering of games. But they brought – and he was up actually at the beginning of the season, April, May, and was under the Mendoza line, under 200 somewhere. I think it was a bit under 200. But what I had said about him, if you go back to our offseason thing, was that it takes him like a month to get used to each level. So as he like rose through the ranks of the minors – like after a month, he sort of like kicked in and did well. So he had, I think, you know, we're going to say the beginning of the season counted as that. He just got called up again on August 18th, which I missed. And so in August, he was hitting 279 with 837 OPS, including four home runs and 10 RBI, which also included a home run at the Orioles, which is sort of poetic because in his debut – Back in 22, his first hit was against the Orioles last year. So I'm thinking with our fantasy baseball league that we make from our baseball boyfriends, I might have to do a little bit of shuffling. I'm mm -hmm. thinking that Lenin Sosa might have to come up. I think he's good for both um, second and shortstop, so it's going to help my choice of middle infielders a little bit. Oswald Peraza also from the Yankees is getting a pretty good amount of play now, so I that always gives me the eebie-jeebies. But, you know, there's a lot of baby Yankees out there. I can't hate them yet, right? They haven't earned it. They haven't earned the hate. Yeah, the baby bombers. They, they, so have, they have no control over things. That's true. That's true. All right, back to the old guys, though. So um, Miguel Cabrera, one of my favorite old, old guys, hit another milestone this week. I picked him not this season, but a few years ago. You know, it could have been any year for, for our entire podcast and beyond at this point because he has passed George Brett on all-time hits. And last time I talked about him moving a step up in the hit ladder, 
he had said, oh, man, you know, crazy to be in the same conversation is more hits than Tony Gwynn he was blown away with. And now he said again, I can't believe I have more hits than Tony Gwynn and George Bett. And he's closing in on his good friend, Adrian Beltre, eight away at the time of recording. That might not be true by the time you hear this, because just yesterday, 40-year-old Miguel Cabrera had a four-hit game against the White Sox. So for an old guy that's super impressive, he is the first Tiger over 40. Tiger over 40. Is that kind of like a, what's the, the cougar? It's the, oh, the, like, yeah, oh, yeah, like a guy sure. cougar. Like, like a guy cougar. Yeah, yeah sure. So he's like, guy cougars, tigers? No, it, they're just I, men. They're, <laughs> that's, that's true. Oh, man. All right. So a, a 40-year-old tiger, 40-plus-year-old tiger, hasn't done that, had a four-hit game in t- since 1944 with a guy whose name I, I'm going to totally butcher, um, Chuck Hostletter. All I know is that dear Chuck was a um, journeyman had been around for a while, and then came up and had a couple of really good years with the Tigers at that point, including a World Series ring. So yay to Miguel Cabrera. Also, uh, just a quick, hey, we do we do appreciate guys who have a little bit of um, faith and continuity and dedication because that's it. That's it. Also work ethic. Yeah, and yeah. especially you, because there are only seven players in all of Major League Baseball that have appeared in every game of the season. That's way up from last year. I didn't write it was write it what it was last year, but it was like three or two. It was definitely a huge jump. Mm-hmm. So seven this year. Six of them are guys that we have picked in the past as baseball boyfriends. Five of those six you have picked. So we're talking Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman. I have a type. You do. <laughs> Look at you guys. Fast guys who don't quit. <laughs> I don't know. That yeah. Some, some chicks stick oh the long bill. Well, you know, we have our own types here. So um, I think it's pretty amazing, though, that Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman, with their huge fucking batting averages, <laughs> and uh, you're going to talk about more stuff that Acuna's doing, they are both... You know, also good students. They have very good attendance. Matt Olson, uh, uh, Simeon, uh, Marcus Simeon, right? Uh, Eugenio Suarez. Those are all you guys. They are all perfect attendance. They should get their perfect attendance award. That should appeal to you. Yeah, well, it it totally should as a teacher. And all I got is Juan Soto, which I think that's pretty cool. That, that, you know, young guy. Because the shuffle appeals to you also. Absolutely. Uh, The only guy that we didn't pick was Austin Riley from the Hammers. So I'm thinking that might be your pick next year. No, it won't. I can't remember. I thought about him this year, and there Mm. was something about him that didn't fit um, my type. Okay. Okay. And I can't remember if it was a, like a political thing or it was a, some sort of affiliation that I didn't appreciate. I can't remember what, but I remember evaluating him and finding him lacking in the boyfriend cred. Okay. All right. So despite his good attendance. Despite good attendance, anybody can have good attendance if they try hard enough. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't say what's in their hearts. There you go. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about our beer. Let's talk about our beer because we're already on our backup beer. Right. We, we split a Big beer. Oh, we opened both backup beers. Yes, we did. <laughs> we we did because that we sure. you know it's one each. So yep. we had this giant beer that we split three ways, and and I did great math. Yep. The first one was an imperial that was a nine percent, 
alcohol by volume, and I decided if we split it three ways, it's only 3%, so it's yeah. just fine. What, it, was, it was Dogfish Head, which used to be my very favorite before craft beer got like all over the place. Dogfish Head was one of the first ones around here, and they have a great 90-minute IPA that's very, very hoppy. It did not take 90 minutes to consume right. thirds, however. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize that it was the Imperial version, so yeah, that's a that's a mighty, mighty, mighty beer. Yep. And because we yep. like to lean into a theme, our backup beers, and we have one each because they're regular size beer, we have DC Brow's The Imperial. Look at us. We're going to start colonizing things any second right. now, um, which is a double IPA. What's the percentage on I, this, though? I think it's pretty close. I don't know. You're going to have to look because <laughs> I already can't see, you know, so that's that's All fine. Right. You talk about a boyfriend. I'll try to find a percentage. That's right. Hey, so Tristan Casas is my Red Sox boyfriend. And Yay. remember at the beginning of the season when, when Potty Mouth's dad was really down on Tristan Casas? And I'm like, no, no, no. He's great he's gonna mm-hmm. be fine be patient well he's great yeah i like to talk about the guys on my fantasy team who have had exceptional performances in the past seven days so this is not the whole season this is the past seven days in the past seven days casa's ops is 1.48 wow two his his ops across the season so far is more like 0.89 something which is fantastic and also reasonable but this again this is seven days this includes two home runs and 10 hits which is a lot for seven days but here's what's important his two run home run yesterday saturday we're recording on sunday so saturday ties with ben attendee also a former boyfriend of mine for fourth place in team history for the number of home runs on the road so he and Ben and Tandy both have 13 really? home runs on the road for their rookie season, right? The first, Nomar Garcia Parra is first with 19. Aww. Ted Williams is second since something with 17. <laughs> um, George Scott has 16. So given that it's early September, there is definitely no knock on things that um, Tristan Cousins could move up on that list from wow. 13 to he might you know ted will ted williams is at 17 he's at 13 right now that could happen and noma currently he's tied with gunner henderson Ooh. for the most home runs by an american league rookie at 22 that's um, crazy this uh, this is before the sunday games happened so i don't know if anything has changed since then but the important thing for tristan is 13 of those 22 are in the second half of the season with more of the second half wow. to go so he really improved greatly from how he started. So he is on a tear. Last season, I picked TJ Friedel from the, the Reds as my boyfriend. And he is their heart and hustle winner Yay. this year for the team, which is sort of like the boyfriend award. Also, I just learned he has no walk-up song. He has chosen to have no walk-up song. And I immediately went, what is he, a stick in the mud? I, w- I went bad. I went yeah. to a bad place about how could you, like, do you not care? Right. Do you not, what, what's fun. the But you know what? It's actually a good reason. He okay. says, it distracts me. It makes me want to sing the song because obviously it's going to be one of my favorite songs. So I want no distractions. So he's basically wow. like pulling back from his inclination to totally dig his song. I feel like, you know, given the fact that I just completed a week of school, that I'm learning a lot about uh, what can be commended, you know, as far as school-related behaviors. Like, we have perfect attendance. We have most improved student award. And here we have focusing on your lesson and not giving right. into distractions. Put away right. that cell phone. Yeah, Right. And he knows his inclination is, is like, you know, have yeah. a good time. Enjoy it. Lean into the music. Yeah. So he's, like, Actually. making a decision. Like, wow. Okay. Wow. I so quickly went to, damn. Yeah. I, have my, I really like this guy. Well, I still really like this guy. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So yay. Celebrate unique differences. 
So one thing that I, I tend to try to steer away from is our police blotter segment, which is yucky stuff. But, you know, when I have a past baseball boyfriend pick who is now going to be, looks like he's heading to the never going to be a baseball boyfriend uh, list that we do keep. Um, and that would be Wander Franco. So I was trying to figure out, my first like subtitle here was, I wonder what the fuck is going on. And yeah. I was trying to think of like, you know, there's a lot you can do with that name. But also I, I thought about a, um, a colleague that I used to work with who was from Puerto Rico. And I, and I don't know if they have the same saying in the Dominican Republic where Wander is from. But it's he, it would be, his saying was, llueve sobre mojado, which means, you know, when we were sort of already having problems at school, you know, things are going on and then something else comes on your plate. It's raining on top of what's already wet, is what the phrase oh, literally said. Oh, llueve, yeah, llueve sobre mojado. And actually, there's a really good song sung by Fito Paez, and uh, I can't remember the other guy, but check it out. I may llueve find ways mojado. to work that into conversation over the next week. Yeah, it rains on what's wet. Mm-hmm. So I want to do it in Spanish because it sounds better. It does. And, and so that's mojado. what's happened to um, Wander Franco, because we talked about him, I think it was last week, where there were two girls accusing him of inappropriate relationships. And this is the appropriate use of the word girls because they are minors. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one was the uh, Instagram post with a 14-year-old. And then there was another girl who came forward in the Dominican Republic. And that's as far as we got last week. So there's a third girl now who has come forward to the, the agency of the Dominican government that is that is investigating this and go back to last week's episode if you need to catch up on those details. But it's only the second formal complaint because the second girl that we talked about last week is not cooperating with the government, does not want to talk. So, you know, people make that choice choice for a lot of reasons. So I don't judge that at all, especially, you know, seeing other stories about women who have been basically raked over the coals and, you know, look at what happened to the people, Trevor Bauer countersuing and shit like that. So it's scary. And if you're a young girl in the Dominican Republic, I can see how that could be a scary possibility. Um, So the investigation could take a long time. The third girl hasn't spoken directly to authorities yet as, the, as of yesterday when I looked this up. So maybe they've talked to her by now. I think that she had said that she would, but it hadn't happened yet. Um, Major League Baseball is most likely going to wait until the investigation t- takes place, uh, you know, comes to its conclusions. Um, he's on indefinite administrative leave at this point. But the policy, the MLB policy, does give the commissioner of MLB the power to suspend a player regardless of what is decided in the Dominican Republic, which is sort of like Trevor Bauer, right? He sort of got off the hook legally, but he still has this big, had this big suspension. Can you clarify me, for me for a second? Um, MLB is going to wait it out. Are they waiting for the Dominican Republic's investigation? I think or are they so. Waiting, or, or their they, own be, investigation. Well, they're, or they're, they're not going to comment until MLB finishes their investigation. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think it's a little, I mean, at least yeah. the, the, the hypotheses that I saw we're sort of like they are they do investigate separately or like you totally right on that um but i think that they're probably thinking that there's more information to be found in the dominican republic than they have access to yeah so i think okay. in this case especially because okay. it's a foreign situation that they want to know more about what comes out yeah. there and just just to be clear for um our for our listeners mlb can make their own decision regardless mm-hmm. of what right. happens with law enforcement and those yep. kinds of investigations. They they look at their own 
investigation and they can make a call on suspensions or other or fines or whatever in completely independent of what's decided elsewhere yeah yeah and then even teams can because look at what happened with trevor barrow right he could have gone to a team and nobody would take him so that's you know some once in a while correct decisions happen at different levels um, Wander Franco himself has not said a word since his Instagram video, which I talked about last week also, which with him sort of laughing at it right when it came out. I'm guessing he has lawyered up and his lawyers are saying, Less funny shut now. the fuck <laughs> yeah, up. For sure. Not a good thing. The last time he played was August 12th. So you're talking about how the Orioles are doing well and the, the Rays are, what, two and a half games behind at this point. Mm. And Wander Franco was was absolutely their best player in in terms of war on the the current team. Not only their best player in terms of war, but also their highest paid player, oh, in a long time. He is on the second year of an 11-year, $182 million guaranteed contract. So that is a lot of money. And the Rays have been totally silent. Because they don't spend that kind of money. When they, when they locked him in, this was sort of a blockbuster thing that was a very unique situation for the Rays. They had this super young player that, that they knew was super talented. They pushed him up really fast, and then they locked him in. And now they are, you know, they have a big bill, a big bill. From yeah. comparison, when uh, Trevor Bauer got suspended, he had, and when the Dodgers rightly decided to not take him back he had 22 and a half million left and that's the dodgers and this is the raise with a shit ton of money so i don't know what's gonna happen i definitely would like to find out but i i I have a very strong feeling that we're not going to see very much of wander franco in the future especially in our fantasy league yeah and it's really um interesting to see how long it's going to take for this investigation to happen how cut and dried things are how um how clearly either the um, law enforcement can act on this or MLB can act on this based on what they discover in their various investigations. Right. Wow. That's so much. Yeah. That is so much. And how it affects the Rays. I mean, boy. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm going to have a little more police blotter, but it's not so bad. And it's going to move into super happy. So if you were Ronald Acuna Jr., you would look back on this week and say, Wow, so many things happened <laughs> what a good week. this week. Well, it was a weird week, and then it was a great week, but it all happened in seven days. So Monday, last week, Monday, at Coors Field, that's where the Hammers were playing, a fan rushed Acuna Jr. on the field, and he hugged him. And very briefly, Acuna Jr. stood there and kind of hugged him until security came out and like pulled the guy away from him. The, so the fan tried to take a photo and he would not let go of Acuna um, even while security was trying to pull him off, which was Whoa. pretty scary. Then a second fan runs out on the field, gets awfully close, gets body slammed by a security person, and also it causes Acuna Jr. to fall and hit the field hard he felt he was uh, not injured so they pulled both people off the field one of them sort of went along with the other one is like kicking and screaming and i can't tell if he's like who look at me look what i got away with kind of like flailing or if he's let go of me i need to get back to my favorite player well i don't know it's hard to tell what he's doing that's so scary on so many levels well it is and so both of those two fans um, have a misdemeanor for trespassing and disturbing okay. the peace. They're they're going to court 
about this. A third fan did get on the field, but turned around right really? away and got back off. So that fan has is being hit with a trespassing misdemeanor, but nothing else, not going to court or anything, because he didn't like he didn't pursue. He was like, okay, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Is there any information as to if any of them knew each other? Like, with this, was, got, was this a coordinated yeah, nothing effort? Nothing on that. Nothing on that. I'm wondering if there was like one spot, like once the first guy went down, everybody was like, oh, check it out. You can get down there and then just kind of I've, followed him. So, so the first two guys are definitely Denver residents mm. who obviously big fans. New and I kind of wonder if they were goading each other. Right. And, like, and it's one of those things, well, let's go on the count of three and one guy goes and one guy doesn't go. And yeah. the other guy's like, oh shit, he actually went, so I should go too. That's in my head. Right. That's how that played out. But I don't know. Acuna said he was kind of scared at first. I can imagine. But Holy he said shit. the security was right there. They yeah. were there super fast. And he said, we're all okay and I hope that they're okay. Aww. Which I appreciated. And Kevin Pillar um, added to what I think should be on our... I, it's one of those stadium rules that we didn't think needed to be said out loud. But I'm going to go with... We're going to add this to our okay. stadium rules. Pilar says, you just never know during those situations what people's intentions mm. are. Luckily, they were just extreme fans of Ronnie and wanted to get a picture or put their hands on him. But in no way is it appropriate for people to leave the stands even more to put their hands on someone else. Right. And I will say that put the hands on someone else extends beyond the stadium. So please, folks, add this to your list of stadium rules and maybe just good behavior in general. That same game, Acuna Jr. had four hits, including two doubles, five runs batted in, a homer, two stolen bases, which made him the first player in franchise history with that many hits, runs batted in, and stolen bases in a single game so it turned out wow. okay for him because nothing, nothing bad happened do. but you could not predict that nothing bad was going to happen fast forward to thursday okay a few days away from this whole monday extravaganza he gets married <laughs> he decides the day before oh we should get married tomorrow and this is why so his fiance mother of his two children yeah both under two or two ish they look small they're they're very young um so maria laborde they got married in a chapel in Los Angeles when the Hammers were in town to play the Dodgers. <laughs> they got engaged back in January, and their plan was to marry in Venezuela, where they're both from, during the off-season. But um, Laborde has like, a visa issue. I mean, the kids were it's born crazy. in the United States, so they are fine. They're United States citizens. She is not, and she's got this visa situation where she would have to go back to Venezuela for three months and be either take the kids which separates yeah. them from their dad, or leave the kids, which separates them from their mom, for three months. And the Hammers are completely in the postseason hunt, right? And, you know, you're going to want to be together as a family anyway. Yeah. But also, this is a freaking big deal. Yeah. For, yeah like, you know, the day job. see him. So Acuna says, things. it means a lot to me. The kids were born here, but the mom needs to come and go. I don't like that process. It's really a hassle. If we go to the playoffs, if we go to the World Series, they're not with me. It's tough. I want my family to be here with me. So he gets married on Thursday afternoon. A few hours later, it's a grand slam. Off of Lance Lynn, <laughs> which makes him the very first person ever in MLB history to have a 30-60 season. It's that crazy. means 30 homers and 60 stolen bases in one season. The 30th home run was a freaking grand slam. How can he not be MVP, right? Yeah, that's the thing. He's gonna be. He's got to be MVP. And then we get to Saturday. I mean, that was just through Monday through Thursday, yeah. right? Then we get to yesterday where he hit a 454-foot liner straight center field right that 
the exit velocity was 121.2 miles per hour. It was the hardest hit ball of the year and the third highest exit velocity on any home run in MLB's eight-year StatCast era. He is fire. He's crazy. It's it's amazing. And there, there's, you know, everybody's talking about how, like, Mookie Betts is doing really well. Could he be an MVP candidate or Freddie Freeman? But you can't compare like there's really good players and then there's this it's sort of he's like he's having this magic season I mean I yeah. picked him as my hammers boyfriend in 2019 and yeah. he was good then oh my gosh right. I don't think anybody saw this level of freaking amazing coming so yeah. yay and I'm sure he remembers that time we got our picture taken with him at the all-star game that, that was that was pretty sweet that was definitely a highlight he looks nice in history clothes yeah he cleans up very well can I just say potty mouth spoke to him in Spanish <laughs> Sometimes I remember, sometimes not so much. The The other thing about that, um, the stolen base, was it the stolen base? Freddie Freeman gave him a base. It must have been a stolen base from that oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and the cool thing about that is that they used to be teammates, and it happened when they were playing in L.A., so it was just sort of like this synergy and like this lovely – Oh, you know, we're we're old buddies kind of thing, even though we're on the other side of the field now, but like respect for the the skills. And by gave him a base, I think you mean hand him <laughs> right the, the base, not like <laughs> stop playing the game yeah. so he gets the base and yeah. can be on the base. I mean, he's know? the friendliest first baseman, but he's not that friendly like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's also in the hunt for um, MVP. Oh my god. I mean, he's doing amazing things. Mookie Betts doing amazing things, but to be the first ever for thirty sixty, I just the how you can't not yeah you can't not yep. do that. All right, so um, us us folks in the AL East a, a while ago, it was thought that like all the American League wild cards would go to the AL East, and now it's not looking that solid. Mm. It's looking like the AL West might be having some of that wild it's a card long action season. Yeah, we've got some stuff to go. You know, statistically, anything is possible. I'm not sure about the the Yankees and the Red Sox are almost completely out of it but both teams have new guys that got brought up very recently and and that's happening I think a lot now with teams that are sort of struggling they're taking this opportunity to maybe let some old guys go which I know you're going to talk about and then bring up some new guys so William Abreu um, 24 years old he came up from AAA Worcester recently and not this past week but I think maybe a week before with the Red Sox and where he came from sort of made me feel just a little bit better. Last last year at the trade deadline, the only thing the Red Sox did, which was the shittiest thing ever, was get rid of Christian Vasquez and get a couple of prospects. And when it happens in the moment and you're letting go of this beloved player and you're like, there's these guys, I don't even know their fucking names, and we're getting them, kind of like with the Juan Soto thing, and we're getting, I mean, now we know it's Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams and then a couple others, right? But when you don't know who they are, it sort of feels like a punch in the gut. I feel a little teeny, teeny, teeny bit better about the the Vasquez trade because William Abreu was one of the guys that we got along with Manuel Valdez, and they've both done really well. William Abreu, so because of that, that means that he came from the Astros. So he was signed by the Astros. He was with the Astros for his first six years. He's 24 years old, traded, and his debut ends up being at Minute Maid Park. So he talked about oh, how like wow. when he was in the Astro system, he dreamt of the day that he would make it to Minute Maid Park. And he did, but he was on the other side. Wow. So he debuted, yeah, it was on August 22nd. And so when he, he got a hit, 
He got to second base and he got a hug from Jose Altuve because they had been in spring training together. Uh, it must have been at the beginning of last year. They're both Venezuelan. And uh, Jeremy Pena came over and shook his hand. They spent time in the minors together. So to be in a place where you're getting like embraced literally by the other team for your first hit and for your debut is kind of kind of cool. He actually entered that game to replace Alex Verdugo, who had been chirping about balls and strikes from the dugout and got thrown out of the game for it. Total dick move. Do not do that. Two days later, uh, Abreu got his first home run on the 24th. So in his first five games, starting right then, super hot. Six for 17 and two walks in his first five games. And then he took three games off because, and this is what sort of like broke my little heart just a bit. I saw the post that said his wife delivered their first baby. And it's like, oh, oh, you know, you got, just got brought up and you miss your first kid's birth. Like, oh, yeah. that's kind of sad. And so, but what he um, posted was a picture of the kid's um, footprint on a baseball. Oh, which is very yeah, sweet. Super, super endearing. The kid is adorable. There were also actual baby pictures posted. But he did take his three allowed days of paternity leave from the 28th to the 31st. And here we are, September 3rd. I know he, I think he sat out yesterday. Actually, today he was in for just a hot minute. So he hasn't gotten a lot of play since. I'm hoping for great things with William Abreu. And of course, we're always checking out baseball boyfriends for next year. Also, um, notable call-up was Jason Dominguez, who has been the Yankees prospect most talked about for the past since he signed, really. Last season, he started in low A with Rachel Balkovich, oh. and she talked about like understanding what a hot prospect she had there and you know, totally pushing him, and he moved up really fast. And so moved through the ranks last year and this year, debuted this week with the Yankees. The kid is 20 years old, 20 and a half, 20 years, 163 days. That's like, at this point, like we, we measure things, right, in, in terms of our kids, mm -hmm. who yours is 22 and mine's about to be 22. And like, it's the, the, the gap is it's starting, starting to get to bigger. spread. Holy shit. So he is the fourth youngest Dominican-born player to debut in MLB. And I didn't look up the other three, but I really should. Maybe that'll be my homework for next week. I should, I should sign myself homework. So he comes into the game. Yankees against the Astros. I mean, Yankees are in the gutter, but still, it's you know an intense situation against the Astros. His first pitch off Verlander, Jason Verlander, 40-year-old, twice his age. Oh, sorry, shit. I always do that. Justin Verlander, 40-year-old, twice Jason's age. So that's where it came See, from. Now yeah, I get there that. we go. I get that. Jason's I was just trying to like protect you from, from the angry that. masses. Yes, I totally appreciate that. So, you know, who's your daddy kind of situation? Two-run home run. His parents are in the stands and they go that's beautifully nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but like just thinking about all these, the young guys coming up, and if we've got 20-ish year olds and 40-ish year olds, there's like definitely this parental kind of sure. possible situation. I mean, if they're on the same team, if they're on opposite teams, maybe it's like a teacher, fun student kind of thing. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see what happens with Jason Dominguez. Um, you know, it makes me a little nervous because, yeah, he's in the Yankees and there's some other baby bombers. I th I, they totally changed their lineup today. They were all young. Like, they're yep. like, all right, 
Yep. Let's put in the young guys, give them experience, yep. get ready for next year. Yeah, that's what September has been like historically for teams that don't feel like they're in contention anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, we've got these guys that we want to drop into major league situations to see how they do. It may not matter for us because of where we are in the standings, yep. but it's going to matter for them facing major league pitching or pitching to major league batters, depending on who they are, yeah. and give them a bit of a tryout. Yeah. So this past week, was crazy was weird. for old guys moving around. I'm going to call it waiver madness. And this shouldn't have been as crazy as it was, except for two things. One is mm. usually this isn't so public. Mm. Got leaked. And number two, really? the Angels did something kind of unheard of. They created a salary dump of epic proportions. Okay, so the Angels put mm. almost a quarter of their roster on waivers on Tuesday. Couple of reasons for that. One is they were bumping up against their competitive balance tax, which means if they had all of these guys with high salaries, because remember they they really um they bought heavily because they thought they were going to contend. Yep. And then they found out they weren't because reasons. And so they can get stuck with taxes on their competitive balance tax. They could the, the threshold, competitive balance threshold is CBT. Also where you are in salary mm. when you have some one of your roster members, let's call him Shohei, mm-hmm. becomes a free agent. I was wondering about this. You offer them the qualifying offer which yeah. is set by the league. When they turn that down, which mm-hmm. let's just say Shohei is going to do that, yeah. if you have made this offer in good faith, you get a compensatory draft pick, right? If you are also over the competitive balance threshold, that's way lower. That could be like oh. 60 positions lower in the draft wow. than if you are under the competitive balance threshold. So they're like, we got to dump these guys. Yeah. We got to get them out of here because we need to be below the CBT so that we get a better draft pick by a lot. Does it also give them more money to be able to spend on, say, Shohei Otani when he does hit that market and that their offer's going out? Sure, yeah, because they, they're shedding. So, okay, here, yeah. here, okay, so the Tuesday is when all of these waivers were announced. If you are on picked up on waivers, which is different than a trade, mm-hmm. if you're picked up on waivers and you're on a new roster by September 1st, you're eligible to play in the playoffs. If you are if there's a waiver situation that happens later, you can play in the regular season, but you oh, cannot play in the playoffs. So that's why it was so busy. That's so fast. why it was so busy. Because I mean the good <gasps> okay. thing was it was like you guys are good players. Let's right. see if we can get you on a team that might go to the postseason. Yeah. That's gonna be like we have no control over who gets you, right? So for the Tuesday people got put on waivers. They were gonna be awarded to the new team on Thursday, which was August thirty first, which Oof, would get them on tight. right on a roster by the first. Yeah. So here's how it works. All thirty teams have a chance to claim players who are on waivers right. in reverse order of their current record. The It's hmm. the record based on Wednesday after the games are done. Wow. So no one knew for sure, Wild. because so many people are very close to each other in the yeah. standings, no one knew what order they were really going to be in until after the last game finished on Wednesday night. So the team... 
you can any team can request any player can put a bid out and can say I yep we want that player yeah but they don't know um, so that the, the player the team with the worst record who requests a player is going to get that player yeah. and all they have to do is pay the balance of that player's contract they don't have to trade anybody away uh-huh. they don't have to do they, there's no draft picks involved it's buying a player yeah. you're buying a player for what the balance is on their contract for I mean, this year forever whatever if a player clears waivers nobody wants them none of the 30 teams speak up for them the original team keeps them and has to pay their salary okay so five guys from the um the angels are put on waivers right these are good players and the angels think this is awesome because they'll go to teams who want them who might make the playoffs good for the players and also we'll we will be under the cbt so we'll be golden Mm -hmm. okay so any team can end up a team could end up with all the players mm-hmm. if they say i want all five of these guys and they have they're the worst record then they would get all five of these guys so cleveland ended up with all the pitchers they ended up with wow. lucas giolito reynaldo lopez and matt moore because they put in for all three but if somebody wow. lower had put in for giolito they yeah. would have gotten giolito and the and the and cleveland would have gotten the other two so francona said we didn't think we'd get all three but now we do so wow. they have to change their roster to accommodate these so they have to dfa or you know or like put down to like you know option down to a lower whatever to make room for these guys apparently giolito and lopez have sort of traveled together like they've always been kind mm-hmm. of a pair as things have gone so there was some just hypo- hypothesis that they would stick together right and the more that i've read like these players didn't know this was happening until we all knew it was happening <sighs> And we're just like, okay, we've got our bags yeah. packed. We know we're going somewhere on Thursday. Where the hell am I going on Crazy. Thursday after 1 imagine? o'clock, right? So also, um, my boyfriend, Hunter Renfro, got, it was part was part yep. of this whole from the Angels. And also Harrison Bader, Poor who dude. is my Yankees guy, yeah. was put on waivers by the Yankees. And it's now, in, he and Hunter Renfro are now going to be in Cincinnati. That's a good place to land. Well, here's the irony. Not for those guys. Those guys are going to be fine. The irony is that Randall Grichuk went unclaimed. So oh. four of the five guys they put on waivers got picked, got up. picked up. But he didn't. And he's yeah. got a measly $1.7 million salary. But you know what? That salary is still enough to keep them over the CBT. Oh, so, so that whole plan didn't work. The whole plan <laughs> didn't work because nobody picked up Randall Grichuk. Oh, that's so sad. And uh, to, to show you how it works on the other oh end of it, the Orioles claimed Jorge Lopez, mm-hmm. who is a fan favorite yeah. he was an yeah, he, o- he was an all-star for the orioles in his all-star season 2022 he was traded to minnesota for which the orioles got cano who's our new favorite reliever and others but they didn't get him until saturday which oh, was no. the second so jorge lopez can help the o's get to the postseason yeah. but he cannot play in the postseason. That's sad. But um, O's Nation is pretty excited to have him back. But that shows you the difference between two days. Crazy. I'm just like picturing this smoky <laughs> room with a bunch of bleary-eyed people with like their eyes fixed on the screen and their finger on the button and just like <laughs> ready to, okay, if you put our name up there, we're hitting it right now. Right. And like I think, I'm guessing the teams could already put their offers out there, mm-hmm. but they're just not sure of what order those offers will be addressed until the end of the games wow. on Wednesday, which is crazy nuts. This was supposed to be 
easier once they made only one trade deadline. You know, that was supposed to like streamline all this stuff. And then yeah. the angels were like, huh, they're going to be smart. We could do a thing. So they did a thing. I feel bad for the angels. I am so sorry, angels fans. All right, Nats fans, we have something to complain about. The Nats are our local team that we go to often. And what the fuck is up, D.C.? Que pasa, D.C.? There's an article this week in The Hill which pointed out that 22 out of the 30 MLB teams have at least some broadcasting in Spanish, but the Nats don't. And of those eight missing teams, the Nats have the largest Hispanic market. Also, the Nats... You know, if you go to National Stadium, there are seats available. The Nats have not been drawing people in by the the boatloads lately. So this would be a really good way to tap into a market, you know, really just a big market here in D.C. Currently on the roster, 12 out of the 40-man roster are from Spanish-speaking countries. That's 30% of the team. Look at me doing my math. Is from a Spanish-speaking so country. Impressive. So you know, why not? Plus, and, and not included in that 30% is Luis Garcia, who's first generation, both his parents were born in the DR, and Davey Martinez, who's first generation, and that should say Puerto Rico. He is from Puerto Rico, but he was born in the, well, his parents are from Puerto Rico. He's born in the U.S. Um, so this isn't just the Nats. This is Masson. So, and you know a lot more about the, the, the kerfuffle between Nats and O's broadcasting and all because of Nassin and the Angelos family. They, they don't just, they don't, aren't doing for some reason. I don't understand why. Aren't doing Spanish broadcasting either for the Nats or the O's. Question. Are you only talking about television broadcasting or is radio this also too. radio? Okay. Radio too. Yeah, because Masson is just TV. Okay. But that is interesting that, that it's not happening in either place. Yeah. And in, and in Baltimore, the Hispanic population doubled over 10 years from 4% in 2010 to 8% in 2020. And for both of those numbers, especially for the DC area, that's not including like Montgomery County and Northern Virginia and all these places that have a big Hispanic population that are very close to DC and could, especially on the Virginia side, quick metro into the stadium. So Nats, what are you doing? Um, out of curiosity, I had to look up who the other six were. So the six teams that do not have a Spanish language broadcast in TV or radio are the Guardians, the Royals, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Toronto. But I want to let Toronto off because they do have French both TV and radio, and that is kind of their market. So that makes that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, I'm thinking a couple of those cities probably don't have much of a Spanish-speaking mm -hmm. population, so they would get like a partial pass on that? Yep. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense for almost everybody sure except not DC. for D.C. Right. I mean, that's my job here. So the Dodgers were the first team to have a Spanish language broadcast, and they did this in 1958 when the Dodgers moved to California. 19% of the Dodgers fan base are solely Spanish-speaking, meaning mm -hmm. Spanish is by far the predominant language. 43% of the fan base identifies as being Latino. So uh, according to the 2022 census of D.C., 11.7 percent of the 671,803 D.C. residents are Hispanic, which is like 76,600 people plus that outlying area. And we can use more people in um, in the park. And it would just it just adds to the game for everybody. 
So fun fact, um, the O's are currently in Arizona, mm. and I was watching the, the local broadcast of that game, and Jim Palmer was noting that it was Mexican Heritage Night, and they mm-hmm. were showing there were mariachi bands playing. The team was wearing their City Connects with their, with their um, Serpientes nice. uniforms, which when I first saw them, I was like, oh, they're fine. But seeing them in action, they look old-timey and really classy, and oh, I cool. love Very them. Cool. And they focused on their the, um, the Diamondbacks... Spanish language radio broadcast, which one I can't remember who it was, but one of the broadcasters used to play on the Orioles. And I'm saying he does this oh. great job in the Spanish language broadcast. So they were bringing How that cool. up in the context of this larger, you know, the, like Mexican culture, you know, n- appreciation night at the Serpientes. Yeah, that is very cool. And we saw that in Boston that that the Red Sox had a Dominican night and they had a Puerto Rican night, and and there was something else as well. Um, and the Nationals actually, and this year for the fir- I noticed it for the first time, they had. A, a Hispanic Heritage Night, or maybe it's coming up, and they had a Los Nacionales jersey giveaway. Mm. Well, it was like one of those you buy a special ticket, like we did for Jerry Day at Fenway Park. You buy a special ticket and you get the shirt. Mm. So actually, I want to look into that and see if that's still coming up. So hopefully, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a preview, but I think it could only do, you know, help the team, help everybody. Hey, my the- nails are terrible. I need a manicure. Can you help me? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the Nats also had ladies night a couple nights ago and I got the email and I was like, holy shit. Are you serious? So ladies, ladies night. Now, first of all, and, and I think last year they still called it ladies night, which just kind of makes it, the name gives me the heebie jeebies. But last year there was a very clearly delineated panel about women in baseball and it seemed just a little bit more substantive. Mm-hmm. This year, there was a special pregame event, which could have been, and I haven't, I, I really looked hard today to see what actually happened because this is after the fact and I couldn't find any articles about it. So, like, no reporting on some powerful women's panel. But the event was billed as you can get a lovely Nats uh, belt bag as your giveaway, which you pointed out you can't actually use to bring into the stadium because it is not clear. Not clear. <laughs> Plus, they had manicures, hair tinsel, which I don't even know tinsel? what the fuck that is. I like that's isn't that for a tree, Christmas tree. We don't like, have ladies' cred at all. <laughs> not at we all. We do not have ladies' cred. They had and this like fucking blew me away. They had a friendship bracelet making station. Are we eight? Is this summer camp? This is summer camp. Okay, apparently not because they also had wine and cocktail tastings, which I would definitely a- a- appreciate and more. They even had like fucking karaoke. The only positive that I could see of the event, besides the potential of having a pregame event with, that was actually substantive, was that $5 of each ticket was going to the Society for Women's Health Research. All right. So, you know, Nats, I don't know. Women who are going to keep coming to baseball games, I don't think they're the ones who are doing hair tinsel and friendship well, you know, maybe they're trying know. to grow the game. Maybe yeah. they're reaching out to a demographic that's different than the usual demographic. But come on. Right. I just, it's still baseball. And Although you can my do. My nails are sucky right now. Yeah, you know, so. actually, I would really like a manager <laughs> to tell you the truth. But it's, it, but, you know, compared it to what the, the Mets did. And I think I talked about this earlier in the summer because it was on August 8th. They had a Women's Day. So right there, it's a little bit more of a powerful name. 
And the the big focus was focusing on women in sports, which kind of tracks, you know, because you're I at a see sporting how that's event. Related. And they had a panel of women who all work in the front office of the Mets with all sorts of impressive titles. And Olivia Pichardo, the the young woman who plays for Brown, um, happens to be from Queens and threw out the first pitch. So that's what you can do to attract ladies, women, whatever, to the to the ballpark. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is so much. So you know what's going to keep people away from the ballpark? Oh, no. Do you remember a couple years ago when every single episode I had a little COVID segment? Guess what's back? The Reds put four, count them, four pitchers on the COVID IL. The COVID IL is still out there. Wow. So Hunter Green was the first one. He went on the COVID IL immediately after his his win on Wednesday. Relievers. Fernando Cruz and Ben Lively were put on COVID IL Friday in between games of a doubleheader. So they played, you know, one game available and they were they went out. And then just yesterday, Saturday, Brandon Williamson, who was scheduled to start today, was put on the COVID oh, IL. No. So uh, apparently also there are some staff who have tested positive and they will all be out the required minimum seven days more if they're symptomatic, they're following the rules. They're also reinst- the, cu- the, the, the Reds specifically are reinstating some of their old COVID protocols, including controlling who has access to the yes. clubhouse. The Reds are on the cusp of having a wild card berth. They cannot afford to lose mm. any more players. This is already pretty bad. They lost two starters and two relievers for a week that and so they they went they've been able to call up other guys to fill in but it's not the same as having your a-team you know ready to go so folks covid is not really gone i know we've seen an uptick Uh, and i know it's out there so maybe pay attention to that please because you know it's it could be bad and and the the red said you know we are a very close team this this could have been a lot worse it could easily have been a lot worse yikes may get worse but so far so good and it's only these four i hope it stays that because this just feels like a bad flashback like i remember when you were talking about this every like in detail detail. every week and we can't go back there we can't go back i I hope we don't i hope we don't hey we have this ridiculous (laughs) fantasy league and it doesn't change a lot from week to week but it changes a little bit and here are the changes this week Bo continues Bono's boyfriends continues to be in number one this is the first week in forever that the score's been under 200 <laughs> so Bo's losing against himself is what you're talking about Bo's is dropping a little right. bit 199.5 I noticed that's I mean that's under the Mendoza line I'm just saying right. I'm just saying so O Contreras, which is formerly Save Me Salvi, still number two. I like that. My team has hurt Asuck, still number three. Razzle Dazzle, still number four. The kids were briefly number four for like a day oh. this week, but they've settled back into the set it and forget it, number five. Wicked Awesome Team, still number six. And then, wait a minute, I had in my notes that the Short Kings left over right, podcast, but, look but at that me. is not the case. I you, left over them. You left over them. I, I did... Bad math <laughs> is what I did. We're so, pretty close, though. So, short yeah. Kings. So, potty math is at seven, short kings at eight. And at least the defense is good at nine. I'm still holding number 10, Sunny Slammers, and the bottom angers still 11 and 12. So, a little bit of movement. 
Um, it's it's a long season. Wait till I make these roster moves, guys. Whoa! Hold on. Watch to out, your wicked hats. awesome team. I am after you. You are indeed. So, yep, yeah, that that's our story. If you think you might want to play with us next year, it's never too early to drop us a line. Um, so please, please let us know if you want to hang out with us in our crazy, crazy fantasy league in which there are also kind of wacky prizes. Yeah, but that's fun. That's fine. It's, fun. it's good you, people. So um, now you're going to go into week two. Week two. Of work. I'm going to go into week 407,000 <laughs> of yeah. work because, you know, I don't necessarily. Well, this is kind of like. But it's a short week. It's a short week. This this is season 27, week two. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> okay. There we go. I like I like how that is. Do you have any yeah. um, non- uh, work plans that you care to share with the class? Well, my kid is coming back next weekend with a bunch of their closest friends, and we're going to be bunking up a c- bunch of twenty-something-year-olds uh, in every corner of the house. But that's that's nice. That's, yeah. it's their birthday, so we're we're going to be celebrating birthday stuff. That I'm sounds excited. super great. Yeah. Um, so are you going to be available for this um Sunday? Um, go to the bookstore and meet this woman oh. who's doing like this interesting like gender baseball cartooning that I yeah. can learn more about. And I had seen something by her on Instagram at some point. So I'm definitely intrigued because she's based in New York. And I, I remember sending it to my kid because I was like, look, there's this baseball artist person doing stuff in New York. So yes, we need to go there. That probably just means that Mr. Potty Mouth is going to have to make pancakes for the crew on Sunday morning <laughs> after they... After they wake up. How do I get in on the pancakes? Yeah, well, we can come here first or after. I don't know. It's, I, but it's right. actually, it's billed as a bagels, bagels and bagels, baseball. Bagels and baseball, which are two things that I really right. enjoy. Yeah. So I'm, it's going to be a delicious, delicious morning if the the the, um, the, uh, the marketing is to be believed. Yes. <laughs> but I don't have any games scheduled until the following week, but that's okay. All right. That's okay, as long as we get a any. baseball thing or two in. Hey, um, I hope you're going to baseball games, and I hope you are doing well in the Fantasy League. If you are part of that, we'd love to hear from you. We'd like your opinions on what you've heard, on what you think we should be talking about, and of course, always feel free to give us the corrections. And the corrections department is available on all of our social media. Potty Mouth, where can people find us? Sure. I, I love this first sentence. You can find us on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. I actually heard that phrase, like that exact pl- phrase on NPR. I see that printed. It's like, yeah, I see right. that that is the name now. X, yeah. formerly known as, as the artist, yeah. formerly known as So Prince. not as I mean, good as Prince. So not, not as good as no, Prince. No but way. Still, you can find us there at NCIB Podcast. Facebook and Instagram are No Crying B-Ball. If you want to throw us your lunch money your coffee money just a little bit of change once a month we don't ask for much but to keep this podcast going you can go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash no crying and b-ball and give us what you want and ask us what you would like us to put there to make it worth your while we're very um cooperative collaborative all those things. all those things for sure fight the man is the right thing to do send your game balls to meredith and until next week say good night potty mouth good night potty mouth Seven thousand peppers, four different kinds. Let's make salsa. Nice. Well, I like that. When life gives you peppers, make salsa. That's right.